everybody. Welcome back to the So We Speak podcast. This is Cole Fakes. I'm joined with, by a dear friend today, somebody that I've been wanting to have on the podcast for a while. Um, I say friend, which is probably the best description. One of my favorite worship leaders, which is what we're going to talk about today on the podcast. I'm joined today by Mars Coleman. Mars, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me, man. My my heart got warm when you when you called me friend. I, I really love you and, and your family. I, I respect you guys so much. We have kind of an interesting background that's brought us together. At our church in Carlton Landing, we have rotating worship leaders that come in, mm-hmm. almost all of which I inherited. So when I first came, you had already <laughs> yeah, you been did. established out here. And then we were able to get to know each other. And now you come out and lead us in worship, and I just love that. Um, I love what you bring when you lead worship, your heart, and that's why I wanted to have you on today is just to talk about that and the way you lead. And The first thing that I wanted to get into was you are kind of an itinerant worship leader. You're a missionary worship leader, and I don't know that I'd ever really come across that until I got out here, and now I've realized that that actually happens a lot. So give us a background on how you got into worship, how you got to what you're doing now. When did worship become something that you knew God was calling you into. Yeah, so, um, wow, we have to roll it all the way back to childhood. So I knew that I wanted to at least be a gospel artist by the age of like four. Mm -hmm. So I grew up, um, my mom and dad are um, not only, you know, believers, but they're they're both, you know, preachers and musicians and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I grew up around it. And I was one of those, like, church babies. Um, I loved church. <laughs> I really did. Uh-huh. Um, I grew up in a, a Pentecostal space. I grew up churches of God in Christ. And so um, in Southern California. Mm-hmm. So we were basically in church every day. All of my school career was in church. Mm-hmm. And I actually started uh, choir directing at 11. Wow. I was I was 11 years okay. old. I didn't like the children's choir because I didn't like how their voices sounded. I was all <laughs> about the adult choir. Give me the real one. So I started directing choirs at 11. I started um, leading worship at 16. And um, when I was in my 20s, um, I graduated high school was kind of, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my church uh, at the time was invited to an AG church, Assemblies of God Church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I led worship. Um, I had worked. Um, there's a whole lot happening. Sorry. So I led worship that Sunday, but at the time I had a job as a care provider. So I had worked that night. Mm. So I did a night shift, led worship that morning led worship that night. I literally slept through the sermon. I just found out that I snore. So hope to God, I wasn't the guest worship leader that snored because I was, I was done. I, mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you what that man was preaching about. Yeah. But um, shout out to Ryan Latham. At the end of the sermon, he got up and talked about the internship that I um, ended up joining. And mm-hmm. this was around 2009. All of that has to do with my worship leader journey because I went from a black charismatic background to a white charismatic background mm-hmm. to um, going from California, moving to Oklahoma, and just being around a melting pot of different church culture. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm so blessed to have had that experience because 
it's taught me how to lead different people and peoples into worship. Mm -hmm. From like song choices to exhortations to what I say, what I don't say, while at the same time maintaining my own identity. Right. So it's been a journey that I'm I'm honored to have been on. Yeah, and that that's one of the things I really love about the way you lead worship and I want to get into is you have a style, you have a heart, you have I mean a lot of the time you have songs that you've written, but you also have the mindset to adapt to different environments that you're in. Yes, sir. And I, I think that's that's tough to do sometimes because worship especially lends it, can lend itself to inauthenticity. Just mm. putting on a show, treating it more like a concert, you know, doing it just as a performer versus leading worship in different contexts. So talk a little bit about how you go from very different worship styles, very different atmospheres, different sizes, but there's something that stays true across all of those things. Maybe invite us into that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think I've had some great examples. Um, I think my first example is my mom. Hmm. Uh, she's still leading worship. Shout out to Marion Coleman, evangelist Marion Coleman. Mm-hmm. But um, living with her, <laughs> living with my parents, uh, she she was the same on stage that she is off stage. Mm. Um, and that's a lesson that I struggled with learning. And I think I got more of a hang of it these last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest things. Um, it's who I am. I just happen to get on stage. Mm. And I think a lot of us as worship leaders, a lot of us as creative people need to know that our identity is not in worship leadership or leadership or what we're good at. Mm -hmm. Um, We have to know the truth is um, I'm saved Mm. and I belong to Jesus and I am who he says I am. And that's, that's the foundation Mm -hmm. of which you build on. Right. So, um, and I think just um, also I get to serve people Mm -hmm. I get to serve different types of people and I get to serve different types of church culture and being open and um, also submitting to the culture of the house. You Mm. know, like I I get to go to Carlton Landing. I'm not going to force something that isn't there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not going to. um, It's not about me forcing a creative agenda. Mm. It's not about me forcing, like, I want to do this song, so I'm going to shove it in their faces. Um, I'm not an artist here. I'm a worship leader, and my job is to engage. Mm-hmm. Um, my job is to uh, lead into the presence of the Lord and create an environment where teaching and preaching for you or whoever's teaching is or preaching is easy. That's the goal. So, so when you're preparing for a set, at a, at a church, you've learned some of the context. You kind of know yeah. w- what works with this group of people. And that, that's one of the things I value here so much is that you actually have a longer relationship with these people than I do. And, uh, you know, you, you get what we're doing here and yeah. the other places you play. What is it that you're thinking about, praying about, meditating on, envisioning before you lead worship? Um... 
Ooh, this isn't a deep answer. I'm sorry. Um, my prayer really is simple. Like, Lord, um, I pray that you, that what needs to happen happens. Mm. Uh, I pray that I'm a good steward of what you've given me. And I do ask for the spirit of wisdom. Mm. That's a prayer that my, my parents have encouraged me to pray that I hadn't really put into practice mm-hmm. until these last few years. It's like, man, the older I get, the more I recognize I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so it really is Jesus have your way and um, let me be a good steward and give me wisdom. Yeah. Um, during the week sometimes the Lord really will drop a song on my on my heart or in my mind. Like mm-hmm. this week, it was um, Oh Praise the Name. It just randomly came to my mind. I don't really listen to that song. Mm. But um, I was talking to uh, the guy that was playing with me today, Jim, and he was like, oh, I know Oh Praise the Name. And I was like, oh, we're probably supposed to do that. Yeah. I think um, last year, I remember this vividly. I'm, I'm just driving around. And I think of the song, Give Thanks. Yeah. And I'm like, I feel like I should sing it. Yeah. And just the response of that. Right. Even, um, oh gosh, it's this old uh, Gateway song or Klaus song. Anyway, um, during the week, sometimes the Lord will drop a song on me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know what? I should probably put that in the set list. Yeah. Or um, don't let Pastor Cole fool you. He's amazing at uh, songs at song suggestions and music suggestions, when you sent me The Lord Our God Is Good, mm, I mm-hmm. instantly fell in love with that song. Mm-hmm. So um, so for you worship leaders out there, if you're stepping in on a Sunday or invited somewhere, I would encourage us to um, ask the pastor, hey, what's on your heart or what have you been singing or what have you been preaching about? Mm-hmm. So, Well, you know, there's, there's the saying that the pastor needs to have learned you know, the text before they preach it. You, yeah. need, you need to have internalized it and lived it and been through it. And and that's in varying degrees always going to be true if you're studying the Bible. But there's definitely going to be weeks where God's really taught you something through that text. Yeah. And those sermons, you can always tell, land differently because sermons, you know, preaching is truth through personality. Mm. And when that happens is a lot of times when you've been through that. And I think the worship equivalent is God will use certain songs in your heart and in your life. They're going to mean a lot and you're going to sing those differently. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean in every set you have that in every song, but I do think what you're saying, God puts certain songs on your heart for a reason. And as the worship leader, that's part of that journey of internalizing them before you lead worship. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things I think you do really well and, you know, my background started in worship, so I, f- I feel like I'm more maybe sensitive and interested and maybe more of a micromanager in some ways for Which worship I'm grateful for, man. than uh, I other- otherwise would be because I started leading worship and then moved into more, mm-hmm. you know, pastoral ministry that doesn't, I don't do very much worship now. But it gave me such uh, a love for picking the songs and building a set and paying attention to the emotional range of a set and the liturgy of the service and how certain kinds of songs in different parts of the service help us to connect with what's going on. And I've loved kicking around ideas with you. Yeah, man. 
but but that's kind of an interesting relationship. Sometimes there's just an iron curtain. It's like the preacher's going to do the preaching, the worship person's going to do the worship. Then you you could have the preacher who wants to be the worship leader, and you give no freedom at all to the worship leader. But that relationship is really built on trust, a mutual it trust is. of people using their gifts, uh, but knowing that you both are working together to construct a service. Yeah. Uh, and and I and I think that realization makes the service so much better yeah. when you can work together doing that. Yeah, because it, it's not about us. It's not about our agenda. It's about what does the Lord have for us today? What is He teaching His people? Because I've become comfortable with um, if you ever said, "Hey, um, you only have ten minutes," mm-hmm. I'm I'm okay with that. So. Mm-hmm. How do I need to construct this set list so that I can respect the 10 minutes? Well, and you and I have both been places where the, the pastor preaches for so long and you're leading worship that the last song always gets cut. And so <laughs> you, you end up putting a song that you didn't really want to sing that much yeah. anyway in your last song. Because during, you know, right after the worship, somebody comes like, we're going to need to cut the last song. <laughs> and you're like, all right, I'm not, we try not to do that here. But th- I've definitely been in situations where you do that before. And you, you're the one that has to be flexible usually. Yeah. It's, it, the, the sermon doesn't get shortened for the set list. It's usually the set list gets shortened for the sermon. Yeah. And I, and I get it. I, I, I get it. And I'm okay with that because I know that the goal especially for Sunday morning, is let's get this word so that, um, for lack of better terms, um, you're preaching the word and we're receiving it so that we can have our marching orders or that we're reminded of a truth. And that truth, and I I know the goal is for people to read their word, um, but for a lot of people, you know, it's the the fix. Mm -hmm. So um, it's one of those... The goal is that they can leave here with marching orders mm. so that they can be one step closer to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and I think some of that is in the worship, but I mm-hmm. believe on, in specifically a Sunday morning context, a lot of the worship set is preparing the heart. It's, it's the, these songs are helping someone um, reconcile with unforgiveness so that by the time the set is over, they can receive the word mm-hmm. and not still have that as a um, as a wall between receiving the word and not receiving mm-hmm. it. So on Sunday morning, I know what my role is, and I'm and I'm grateful to to do it. Yeah, worship does play that preparation role. Yeah, it plays a response role. I mean, I, I always say, and I think I've heard other people say this too. It's not original to me, but that every service has a liturgy. Some mm-hmm. people are just more intentional about their liturgy than others because your worship is going to invite people into something. What is it going to be? You know, that's good. What, what songs do you pick? What do you say in between? How do you pray leading up to it, coming out of it? How does it go with the sermon? You know, I, I liken worship sets a lot of times to the, the morning after you've worked out or you've run or something like that. Oh and you're, man. And you're sore. Usually the best remedy for that is actually to go and do something active and people come in with their hearts in all kinds of states, you know, brokenheartedness, hardheartedness. But sometimes just it takes a little bit to get going spiritually. And I think worship is the ultimate way that sometimes we get our hearts warm and loosened up and ready to receive what God is going to say to us. Worship does that better than anything in the world. I mean, confession is great for that. Prayer is great for that. But drawing people up into worship before the throne of God 
does that like nothing else. You know, a, a great sermon can hardly do that if the heart hasn't already been mm-hmm. worked on a little bit. That's good. So when you plan a set list, what are the things that you take into account? Um, I do take into account where I'm going. Mm. Um, where am I? Um, so I'm working on a set list for um, a youth summer camp. Mm-hmm. So there are some songs that I would sing there that I would not sing here. Mm-hmm. There are some songs that I would sing anywhere. Right. Build My Life is great anywhere. Yeah. I need to, I've been intentionally not singing that because I can burn that song to the ground. I love yeah. that song very much. <laughs> but um, I take into account where I'm going. So summer youth camp is different than here is different than my home church. It's different than um, a church in Oklahoma City that I get to serve at. Um, because I'm also juggling different cultures. I'm juggling different age groups, um, different preferences even. Mm-hmm. So uh, with this church, it's more acoustic. Mm-hmm. Um, for um, my home church or even other churches, it's a full band. Mm-hmm. It's hymns verse rock song. Right. You yeah. know, so. The songs that I put on the no-fly list. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are some, church, different churches have different no-fly lists. Yeah. Different churches have, oh my gosh, we love this song. You have to put it in the uh-huh. set. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I take all of that into account. Yeah. And um, I do my best to, um, and above all of that, it is prayer. It yeah. is it, it is being prayerful and saying, hey, God, what do you want to what do you want to hear? Or just being open to, hey, I want you to do this uh, obscure. Um, I want you to do this obscure hymn. Yeah. And then you in being obedient, singing that song. And then I can't tell you how many times I've gotten a testimony of, man, when you sang that song, it really ministered. And it's like, thank you, Jesus, because that was you. Yeah. Right. So does that answer it? I yeah. Said, okay. Definitely. But yeah. Well, who who have been some of the big formative influences for you and maybe I'll add a second part to that who leads you in worship you oh, know, who, who are the people that have formed you and maybe still play that role but then who, who plays that role now for you okay so um, I'll answer the first one I'll give you ten names okay okay so um, for a long season it was um, anything by Amanda Cook and, and Stephanie uh, Gretzinger Okay, yeah. Their way with words and melodies and, and sharing and leading, I was all about it. Um, uh, I grew up on Walter and Edwin Hawkins. Okay. Um, they, they were uh, pioneers in gospel music. Uh, they're brothers. Walter Hawkins is more of, uh, he's a pastor, so his stuff sounded churchier. He had a, he had a group mm-hmm. and he had a choir. I wanted to be like Walter. Um, As I got older, I was like, oh, my gosh, these songs were sermons. With Edwin Hawkins, um, he's Oh Happy Day. Mm. And um, he was more uh, music and art seminar, building choirs, building, like, music. A lot of it you would sing in church, but, like, in his older records, it was, like, the Philharmonic. So um, those were influences to me, like, hey, you can can do both. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, Fred Hammond. Fred Hammond is, an, is another amazing worship leader and artist. And another person, the older I got, it's like, oh, I know a lot of scripture because I learned these songs. Mm. 
you know, no weapon formed against me shall prosper or Mm -hmm. we're blessed in the city, blessed in the field. These are, this is the word of the Lord. It Mm -hmm. really is. Mm -hmm. Um, I said 10, but I think I'm going to wrap it up. Who else? Um, Kirk Franklin. Uh, Kirk Franklin is a psalmist. Mm -hmm. Um, Another guy that started as a choir director. Mm -hmm. He still kind of is. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I would say he really is a modern psalmist because a lot of psalms really are, um, really do contain the human condition. David and the other writers were going through it, through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, you you see as you read um, them reconciling, my life sucks, but I know who God is and he's my salvation and da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. Um, I think that's it. I think that's a good... Who leads me into worship now? Um, Honestly, my home church. I do have to say that. Um, My worship pastor, Christy Starling, good Lord. It's not... She can sing a phone book. She really can. Mm -hmm. But um, seeing her journey, even her journey to healing, Mm. um, and seeing how, like, she... She leads with such authority. She leads in such a way where um, she invites you in. Um, I've learned a lot of leadership from Christy Hmm. and just the whole uh, worship collective at my church in general. Yeah. So uh, they absolutely do. Um, Brooke Ligertwood. I think I pronounced her last name right. (laughs) I'm not going to correct you. Yeah, so um, she's another another lady. Um, I think it's, it's more than melody. It's also like how she how she frames words and what she makes you sing, makes you say. Hmm. Like a thousand hallelujahs, we magnify mm-hmm. your name. You alone deserve the glory, the honor, and the praise. It's it's good stuff. King mm-hmm. of kings, it's good stuff. Yeah. And it's beautiful, it's beautiful confessions where as you're dealing with difficult times, it's like, no, but God really is. Mm-hmm. She Brooke and others give you language. Yeah. So I would say Brooke. I would still say Fred Hammond. Um, we'll stop it here. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a whole company of people that <laughs> you have learned from, you are still being led in worship by. Of course, yeah. you have a home church, which I think is back to the whole yeah. being a worship leader that travels around. Talk about the importance of having a home church. A home church, man, it's, it's accountability um, it's community, and there's a third one. I've had this conversation a lot this week. Um, I want to talk about accountability and community. Um, I love and I honor that I have a home church that knows where I am mm-hmm. um, and and knows what I'm doing. Um, when I back in 2018, I felt the Lord tugging me to traveling. Mm-hmm. I didn't have language for it. I really mm-hmm. didn't. I just knew that. Um, he was moving me from being uh, full-time one place yeah. to being able to do what I'm doing now. Yeah. Yikes, five years later, my God. But um, I'm so grateful that I didn't transition by myself. My pastors were, were holding my hand. Hmm. So um, 2019, um, I embarked on uh, full-time traveling ministry. Hmm. And there was still my home church. And I still serve there. And I still seek counsel and wisdom. There have been uh, situations where they're like, hey, I, um, I, I told them what event I was considering, 
And um, I had the humility enough to take their yes and their no. Mm. So I, I got a lot of wisdom out of still being submitted to a church. Yeah. There were some, there, never mind. There were some bad deals that came across my desk mm. where if I didn't have um, the wisdom of my pastors, it would have been real bad. Yeah. And um, I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. Um, they've actually recommended some events and some partnerships. Yeah. And I would not have that if I wasn't submitted to a church home. Mm-hmm. So I would I would encourage people that are doing what I'm doing that are itinerant worship leaders or artists to make sure that you are planted at a church home. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Because I think there's a there's the chance that if you're kind of in the worship world where you're getting paid, you're either a musician or a leader, but you're kind of in the gig scene. Yeah. You can end up playing at a lot of churches and never really going to church, never really being a yes. part of one. And having that community, accountability, the covering, the protection, yes. the wisdom. I mean, the, the, there's something to be said that you actually need to be a Christian first, like you started out talking about. You, that's your identity. But if you're never reinforcing that by just being a part of the church and always performing, you see people get hollowed out on the inside spiritually yeah. when that happens, which is really dangerous. Yeah. And so I, I think just reaffirming it's it's not a matter of like you need to be a member of a church because uh you know it's a legalistic type thing it's like it's good for your soul especially yeah. when you're in a role like this where you're in leadership there's a performance aspect to it you're using your gifts you're an artist you have to have that anchoring yeah in the church especially really young worship leaders that are taking any gig they can get make sure in addition to that you also have a church that you're a member of that you're not the person they see for 30 minutes on the stage and never again. Yeah. You know, that you're known, you're protected, you're under pastoral leadership. I think that's something I've watched you do really well as you do as you do travel and play and lead all kinds of different places. Um, in addition to or adjacent to, or I don't even know what the relationship is to being a worship leader, you're an artist. Yeah. Songwriter. And... Uh, I want to explore that part because there's some really exciting stuff going on in that area of your life right yes, now. Man. So what's it? What's that part of you? How do you, how does that blend or not blend with your worship leading? It does. It actually blends. It actually blends really well. Um, I believe the Lord gave me the gift of songwriting, and I get to be in churches a lot. There are some songs that have been birthed in church. There mm-hmm. are some songs where I'm sitting there, and literally words will come. Um, I wrote a song called Path. Uh, you'll hear it soon. But um, I remember I was at a service, and I'm still in Pentecostal spaces, so here we go. Um, <laughs> this, the speaker was laying hands on people and, you know, just mm-hmm. knocking folk out. Mm-hmm. And I'm about it. But as he was praying for people, mm-hmm. he, was, he was declaring the word of the Lord. He was declaring scriptures. Uh-huh. And so um, me being raised Pentecostal, I know that a lot of people will just go off of the high and the excitement of those environments and seem to forget or not notice or take into account. After you get up and get off of this high, you're going to go back to regular life Mm -hmm. as if nothing happened to you. Right. And it's the word of the Lord that keeps. It's the discipleship. It's the following. Mm -hmm. And so I just had this zeal in me. It was a youth conference. I just had this zeal in me Um, I want to write a song for these kids that would remind them to go back to the word. 
Mm-hmm. So um, all of this was zeal. No song. I just knew I was at an event to where I had a morning session the next day. Yeah. And they let me do anything I wanted. Yeah. So I walk over to my friend. He was the MD. And I was like, hey, I'm going to write a song for tomorrow. He's like, go for it. So all the zeal, all of this excitement. Um, I don't remember when um, I got the song, but I know that I completed at least... 70% of the song as I was walking in to sound check. Wow. So um, the Lord met my zeal and yeah. he gave me a song based off of Psalm 119. Wow. And it hit. Yeah. It's, it's just the word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Yeah. You lead and guide and strengthen me. You're a light unto my path. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's, that's basically it. Yeah. A lot of your songs have a scriptural base that you're almost playing on. You have the words of the scriptures, and then you are expanding off of those and and bringing in other concepts or other verses or other experiences. What's that songwriting process like for you if it doesn't just come to you like that? How do you you sit down and write? Do you have certain goals? I want to spend this much time doing it. How many bad ideas do you have for every good idea? How does that work? Man, I'm still figuring out how it works, man. Um... Some of it is zeal. Some of it is, I want to write about this. Um, some of it is, and this is when I'm writing by myself. Some of it is, um, I stuff does drop on me. I was in a movie theater. Uh, I wrote a song called Kite. Um, I was watching uh, Spectre. It's second time watching it, packed movie theater. And um, one of the antagonists says... Uh, Bond, you're like a kite dancing in a hurricane. Mm. And immediately I heard the chorus. I'm a mm-hmm. kite dancing in the storm. Um, and the scripture for that is like, um, um, you're in control. My life is in your hands. You're in mm-hmm. control. Uh, for my life, you have a plan that is for good and not of evil. For you are good and you've conquered evil. Mm. And so that song is about like, you're in control. A lot of it really is just chasing I'll get a spark of inspiration and I'll chase it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some songs for me that will just, I can get it out in a day or in a good session. Yeah. And then there's some songs like Sound Mind. Mm-hmm. Um, it took, yikes, five years to write. Wow. Um, because again, I guess the, I guess a lot of it is stuff drops in me and I chase it. Um, maybe I need to be better at, I need to be better at just sitting down without any inspiration and writing. Mm -hmm. So you heard it here first, folks. I need to be more disciplined in in my writing, (laughs) but I think that's at least for me, a lot of it is just chasing the rabbit. Yeah. What God puts on your heart and on your mind. Talk about a few of these specific songs. So one of your new songs is A Sound Mind. I guess newish songs is A Sound Mind. Yeah. Another scriptural song. Yeah. Straight out of what you would read in the Bible. But then with the verses in the bridge, expanding that on yeah. what it means to have the mind renewed and to think like God wants us to think. Yeah. It came from a very dark place. Mm. Here is the fun times of being a songwriter, or at least for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like God's joke, and I don't mean this in a shady way. Well, sometimes I do, but I feel like sometimes the divine joke on my life is I'll get a song and I'm like, man, this sounds great. And then that's the entryway of me going through hmm. whatever the message of that song is. Yeah. So I first got the song. Um, I don't remember, years are a construct. I don't know. 
but it was near the time I was transitioning from being full-time to whatever this new adventure was Mm -hmm. that I did not have language for. And I remember um, 2019, January 2019, um, my church threw me a party. Mm. And I got a chance, that Sunday, I got a chance to announce to the church, all four services at the time, hey, I'm stepping down um, from being on staff. I'm still going to be leading worship. That night, they threw me a, a going away party. Only for me to come back that next Sunday. <laughs> but because um, that was my home church. I refuse to do this without a covering. But I remember um, Monday. Ooh, tell my business. Here we go. I hope this helps somebody. I was depressed, depressed. Mm. Um, I remember I did not leave my room probably for um, a whole day, if not two. Mm-hmm. I would get up. Um, I was in a me- messy room. I would get up go to like Delta, not even Del Taco. I would go to like somewhere, get something gross Mm -hmm. to eat and then come back and go straight to bed. Mm. And so I would sleep days away. It just Mm -hmm. hit me like a brick. Mm -hmm. And, um, what got me up was the word of the Lord. Mm. Um, I was singing sound mind. I only had the course of it or the bridge of it. God's not giving fear, but he's giving love and he's giving power. And I have a sound mind. And so for years, I would just sing that at the tail end of different songs. Mm. And I remember in that dark time, um, I got a call from a friend of mine that usually doesn't call. And he said, I'm just sitting out here thinking of another song you wrote. And I felt like God leading me to tell you that you're right where you're supposed to be. Mm. And I was like, really? Okay. You know? <laughs> And so I was driving and um, I just, I don't know, I just had this feeling that whatever I was going through, the only thing I could say or write was scripture. Mm. So the verse of that song is, you surround with favor as a shield. Mm. You go before us and guard behind. You surround uh, as wings, uh, you surround with wings as our defense, the cloud by day and the fire by night. Uh, and the choruses and the peace that passes on understanding guards our heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Yeah. And so I think that's about five scriptures. Mm-hmm. I'll be real with you. That sounds pretty, but like it's low key unoriginal. I just packed that song with as much as the word. Yeah. Because I know that's what I needed. Yeah. And it's what had been ministering to you. Yeah. Those, those scriptures and that, you know, that time of deep darkness. Yeah, man. Had produced those scriptures with a new meaning to you. Like we talked about earlier, you had lived those. Now it's a powerful yeah. song, not just because it's scriptural, because scripture coming through you and yeah. the experiences you've had. Uh, another one of your songs I've loved that you shared with us at Carl Laney is Mephibosheth, which is a newer You're song. You're kind. Uh, talk to us about that one. It's a cool story. It's a hard word to say, Mephibosheth. But yeah. It's, it's a really powerful story in the Bible. Yeah. So, um, I think, being a Bible nerd is the best thing ever, bro. Bible lore is the best lore, period. Mm-hmm. Like, it's better than Game of Thrones, Dungeons and Dragons, whatever. Bible lore is the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. So, um, it was a completely different song. It was from the perspective of um, uh, the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. Um, so, something happened. What's weird is Something happened to a friend of mine that I still don't know what happened, but it still inspired the song. Mm. So I got news that something happened to somebody. 
And yeah. I immediately uh, thought about Mephibosheth. Yeah. And I immediately thought of slander. And so I went back yeah. to his story. His, his story is crazy. Yes. Because there's still um, there's still debates on whether um, Mephibosheth left David or not right. intentionally. Right. I still choose to believe that Ziba, his servant, had um, pulled a fast one and yeah. deserted him. I still believe that. That's what I think. Yeah. But whether or not that happened, it's still there's still room for you, mm-hmm. whether you're a traitor or not, because there's some of us mm-hmm. who have dealt with uh, dealt with situations that were out of our control. Right. And then there are some of us who created our own, um, our own, you know, trauma mm-hmm. or created a whole mess. And instead of lying in it, the Lord raises us up and restores us back to the table. And I just think that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, you have, you, yeah. Yeah, that picture of Mephibosheth eating at David's yeah. table with his provision. Even though David would have been justified in the rules of the time of yeah. getting rid of him because he was one of Saul's line. But because you love Jonathan. Yeah. And he had compassion for him. It's just a powerful song. We've played that song a couple times here, I think, for uh, communion. Because that picture of us being unworthy coming up to the table to eat at the Lord's table. Yeah, man. So powerful. Um, And then your most recent song, The Joy of Knowing You, is one that you just released. Yeah. We had the privilege of hearing it, I think, a little earlier, maybe than some others, because you've played it here a few times. Absolutely. Tell us where that song came from and what that song means to you. First off, you will always be one of the first that will hear my songs. Uh, because we're friends. I love you. Also, I think you would call me out if something was like scripture, if it was eisegetical. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Amen. God bless. Well, God I love the you. fact that you'll run them by us. Absolutely. Our people love to sing them. They're great songs. And then it makes us feel great when you say, a new song, The Joy of No. We're like, we've been singing that forever. We love that song. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, that was another one that, um, that dropped on me. Mm-hmm. So um, I was at a Chi Alpha event. Mm-hmm. In Sparks, it was the first night, so we did our McDonald's run, and so we were actually in the, we stayed in the dorms. I'm in the dorms, I'm going to bed, and um, I was restless. And as I was trying to go to sleep, I was like, oh, I can't go to sleep because I feel like this is the Lord. Hmm. So I felt like, oh, this is God tugging on me. Let me go ahead and go up, uh, get up. So I'm, I get dressed, I'm leaving the dorm, And as I'm walking out, because they had a prayer room in the cafeteria that was 24-7. So I'm walking out of my dorm, going towards the prayer room, and I hear the chorus in my head. Mm. And I'm like, okay, this is a thing. Let me go ahead and chase this. Yeah. So, yeah, it was another chasing song. Yeah. It's funny that 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 is a way that God has wired you to drop those phrases and lyrics, and then you put them together and flush them out and write verses or choruses with them. And turn them into these songs. Um, And I just love that the place they come from is a place of ministering to your own heart. Yes, sir. And you can hear that in the music for sure. Um, I know you've got a couple of projects coming up. Tell us a little bit about that. So I did um, a live recording back in February. I um, properly recorded Sound Mind and Path. And there's another there's another track on there that I'm you know kind of pray singing, mm-hmm. um, just meditating on um, John ten, uh, uh, your sheep know your voice and a stranger they won't follow. 
um, another thing that dropped in me. So the week uh, preparing for the live recording, um, I caught myself thinking about that verse, which at the time I didn't know where that verse was from. Mm -hmm. I just heard it growing up. Yeah. And um, it started to stick to my heart. And I'm like, I should probably sing that. So I did. Yeah. (laughs) So I did that recording in February right now. Um, It is in the process of getting mixed and mastered. And so it should be out soon. Yeah. Yeah. So you do a release for that one. And then you've got a recording project that you're working on. Yeah. I am raising $3,000 to complete my recording project. Um, I have connected with uh, some mixing and mastering engineers that have worked on um, projects that have uh, uh, gotten awards. And um, the reason why I wanted to go big on this one is because I do think these songs are a resource. Mm-hmm. You know, the, like I got to sing these songs at camps and in front of thousands of people, and I want to be able to give them that experience, whether they teach it to their churches Mm -hmm. or have it on repeat. Um, I'm so grateful that when I was going through some stuff, I had songs from others that I listened to Mm -hmm. and I want to be a resource for someone else. Mm -hmm. And I I want it to be with excellent quality because I, I think sometimes bad quality can be a distraction. Yeah. So I just went with the best. I connected with them. They told me what it would take, and I, I, by faith, I said yes. So, mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, so you're raising money for that. It's a very cool project. I'm excited Thank about you. it. Where can people follow your stuff? So people want to listen to your music. They want to learn more about you. They want to connect with you. Where can they do that? Okay, my website is Mars Coleman. So M A R S C. I spelled that right. M A R S like the planet. Coleman, C-O-L-E-M-A-N.com. On social media, I am Mars the Writer everywhere. So at Mars the Writer. And um, all of my recorded music is everywhere. Spotify, Apple Music. I am Mars Coleman on there as well. Yeah, I, li- I listen on Spotify. You're kind. You've got a lot of things out there. Bandcamp is also good. Bandcamp, Bandcamp is Camp, also good. You got some stuff out there on Bandcamp. Yes, sir. So, uh, Mars, thanks so much for taking the time, for coming on, and thanks for the conversation. and Just your heart for worship. We, we love you here at Carlton Landing, and I know so many other churches and camps and people that you've led for. So, thanks for taking the time to talk about it. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the So We Speak podcast. If you like what you hear, go ahead and leave a comment, leave a review, email us, tell us what you like about it, tell us what you'd improve about it. Thanks to all you guys who are listening, and we'll see you next week on the So We Speak podcast.